You are listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe and click the bell icon on YouTube so you can get notified every Tuesday when we upload a new episode. You can also add us on Facebook and Instagram at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. Are you ready? To rumble. <laughs> Welcome to episode 38, everybody. So we are definitely getting back to our more regularly scheduled content. Uh, last week was a bit of a vacation for both of us, but we're definitely back on our game this week. So thank you for your patience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, thank you guys for tuning in again. And this week is going to be a fun week. I really like this topic. So mm-hmm. we'll kind of kind of talk about the new nutrition in the news. Yes. So this study took out, stood out to me. It was on the Science Daily website. And the article is basically talking about how, or this is the description, herbs, including cilantro, have had a long history of use as kind of folk medicine and anticonvulsants. So until now, many of these mechanisms of how these herbs actually did those things have been unknown. We don't, we didn't really know like how it actually did what these, you know, medicines claimed it did. But recently, uh, scientists have uncovered the molecular action that enables cilantro to effectively delay certain seizures in common epilepsy and other diseases. So pretty interesting. Apparently, there's some sort of compound in cilantro and some other herbs, but this study specifically talks about cilantro that can help delay seizures in common epilepsy. So basically, I'm going to probably butcher this word, but coriandrum stativum is the compound, and it's a highly potent KC and Q channel activator. This new understanding has led to improvements in therapeutics and the development of more uh, efficacious drugs, and this component binds to a specific part of the potassium channels, which helps open them, reducing cellular excitability. We know potassium is one of those electrolytes, kind of that sodium potassium balance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So this this like mechanism supposedly helps delay seizures. So it's important that we learn kind of more about how this herb actually does this, or more so the action of that compound in general, because who knows? That's a very interesting because cilantro I always thought was a weird um like some people like it and some people hate it. That right. has to do with the taste receptor on your I tongue. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was just pointing out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. just, some people have it, some people don't. Right. So I don't know. That's interesting. I've never heard of that study before. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we'll have more come about with the use of cilantro i mean mm-hmm. i was gonna say you know lots of lots of like herbs and spices are getting have gotten a lot of attention but you know turmeric gets a lot of attention ginger gets a lot of attention so it's interesting that they're actually looking into the mechanism behind that because who knows if it next, actually works otherwise next, next thing you know they're gonna have cilantro infused soaps and toothpaste and all that good stuff <laughs> I know. 
That's the one thing I'm afraid. They take anything overly significant and they're like, oh, everything's infused in cilantro. Cilantro is the next CBD. Did you also hear that lavender is starting to get a bad reputation? <laughs> Anyways. Who the fuck knows anymore? <laughs> we need well, long-term studies. You heard it here first, folks. Cilantro is the next big thing. Yeah, cilantro is the next next big thing, and lavender is going in the crapper, apparently. Yep. Poor lavender. I liked lavender. Oh, it's all right. See you later, lavender. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so let's kind of get into the bulk of our episode, and that is actually all about candy, which I'm actually very excited about this episode because I used to be a candy fanatic myself. Like, I, I think you still are. I, I am, but it was really bad. Yeah. It was really bad. I mean, the fact that I've been cavity-free, I'm not trying to brag, but I've been cavity-free for the past two years. So I feel like... <laughs> not that long. Well, for me, two, two years is a long time. And especially, like, with my old habits, oh, they were bad. <clears throat> but uh, with that being said, we'll kind of go into later on why candy... Um, is everywhere and why we eat so much of it. But before that, let's kind of go into the history of candy, which you guys know me, I love history. <laughs> but the English word candy actually came about um, since the late t- 13th century and it actually derives from the Arabic word candy with a Q and an I. So Q-A-N-D-I and that means sugar. So makes sense. And the origin of the candy can actually be traced back to ancient Egyptians who basically combined fruits and honey with uh, fruits and nuts with honey. And around the same time, the Greeks used honey to make candy, fruits, and flowers. So honey was a big deal. But the first modern candies weren't even made until the 16th century. And from then on, sweet manufacturing developed very rapidly into an industry that we see today starting in the early 19th century. Another thing I want to do, I do want to point out is that honey itself um, was considered kind of a candied substance back then and was actually mentioned in the Bible as well. So not to be religious, but to point that out. And the ancient Egyptians, Arabs, and Chinese candied fruits and honey and nuts and honey as the early form of candy. And another thing I want to point out is the oldest, hardest candy, the oldest hard candy that we, that I guess started all was barley sugar, which made, which was made from barley grains. Who knew? Hmm. And then the Mayans and the Aztecs, if you didn't know this fact, I already knew this, but both of them prized the cocoa bean and they were the first to drink chocolate. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, mm-hmm, there's a lot of cocoa fun down there and I was actually able to visit one and it was actually the coolest thing ever so yeah very very cool cool. Mm -hmm. yeah so now we'll get into how candy is made and if you are or have been a nutrition student you probably made candy in like a food science lab or something so excited it's a lot of fun but Mm -hmm. it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be Mm -hmm. Uh, so basically candy is made by dissolving sugar into either water or milk to form a syrup. And the final texture of candy does depend on the different levels of temperature and sugar concentrations. 
So temperatures vary like so, 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 so important when you're making any sort of candy. Hot mm. temperatures will make it more hard. Medium makes soft and cool temperatures make chewy candy. If you've never made fudge, I challenge you to make homemade <laughs> fudge from scratch and you will learn so quickly how much temperature is like key when making candy. Mm-hmm. So now we'll get into a little bit of why we love it so much. And we've talked about kind of <laughs> our, our issues um, with sugar human beings. I don't call it an issue. I call it an uh, fascination. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it is part of our kind of primal heritage, if you will. Our, our tongue is designed to detect four basic flavors, either salt, sour, bitter, and sweet. Us humans are naturally drawn to the sweet flavor because we are primates. And it just, when we were kind of like monkeys living in the trees, it wasn't something we could always get our hands on, that sweetness. So we evolved to literally crave it and be addicted to it. And we made a whole episode on sugar before and the addictive properties of it. Go back and listen if you want more details on the sugar part of it. Mm -hmm. And also, um, moving on to like chocolate in particular, the melting point of cocoa butter is just below the body temperature which is why it melts in your mouth, which is like extremely like tempting for us. (laughs) Uh Oh man. (laughs) But I did want to point out real quick that humans are also not only drawn to sweets, but just because don't quote me on this. I believe that the fact that it's sweeter or it just, all just that in itself basically kind of signals that it has more calories in it and you want um Mm -hmm. humans back then which i mean wasn't that long ago created that sweetness because they know it's going to give them calories to sustain their energy for a lot longer versus just Mm -hmm. eating a piece of leaf which Mm -hmm. don't be hungry like 10 minutes later if that there's also a theory i'm not sure if it's been like tested at all but i've heard it kind of thrown around Sugar was considered like safer calories. If something is sweet, it's usually non-toxic. Right, right. So exactly. Exactly. We, we were kind of natural selection at its finest. Right. I mean, <laughs> was, we're not going to choose like sour or bitter stuff over sweet. Yeah. I mean, so mm-hmm. if you do crave sweetness a lot or savory fruit a lot, I mean... It's not your fault. Yeah, it's an <laughs> it's a it's an idea in nature, and it mm-hmm. has not changed a whole lot since um, way back when when the wheel was invented. I think they say like ten thousand years or something, which is nothing compared to how long the Earth has been here. But with that being said, without being too philosophical, <laughs> uh, so I did want to point out that just in general, that there is a study, and basically. It's from the University of Michigan, and it does look at processed foods and its effect on the, basically the brains, um, animal brains, to, to be more specific. And this this study is actually just a tip of the food addiction research that's out there, um, which will, like like we said go back to our past episode to really focus on that. But in this particular 2010 article, scientists found that rats that 
fed on bacon, pound cake, cheesecake, and frosting, which I don't know why they were given that, but they were given that. Became, they became so hooked onto the, this food that apparently while they were, they continued to chew and chow down on this food, even after they were given electrical shocks, which don't ask me about the ethical uh, issues yeah. of the study. Yeah. Um, just the fact of the, they have electrical shocks, but well, that's a story for another time. But the fact that they had kept eating these higher density, higher higher caloric foods despite going through pain is something to make note of. Well, we also need to point out that these are also high fat foods as well. Right, right. So it's not just like glucose water. Right. It's a very satisfying, you know, bacon, cheesecake, frosting, like. Yeah, they have a high amount of both savory and um, mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And the main focus of the study was to basically look at the pleasure check, the pleasure center mm-hmm. of the brain, which is also known, I might butcher this, the nucleus accumbens. Yep. It's a, cl- it's a clump of nerve cells that's basically tucked beneath the cerebral cortex. So when a rat or one of us, one of the humans, we eat a Twinkie or we down a martini or you, we hit, take a hit of a narcotic, supposedly this nucleus accumbens is doused with dopamine, a neurotransmitter that sends the feel-good message to the body. Of course, if you have too much dopamine, it can overwhelm the system and cause it to shut down. That's it. That happens because um, primarily because it reduces the number of cell surface receptors to dopamine. So basically, it's just saying we're fucked. <laughs> yes, we take a we take a hit of cocaine. We're fucked. If we down a martini, we're fucked. If we eat a goddamn Twinkie, we're fucked. It's all the same <laughs> shit. Based on the study. All the good things in life. <laughs> so um, they're implying from the study that a steady dose of drugs, alcohol, and some particular foods, in other words, can literally change the structure of the brain and how it works. So that's something to make note of. So just if we're looking at any future studies that we do come across. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of addiction overall. So So now we get into why we question question candy and why it might not be such a good choice (laughs) to have. Uh, Some of it's going to be obvious and some of it might learn some new stuff. So mm-hmm. the first one is simply just like the blood sugar spikes. So this is typically the first thing that happens, you know, high sugar, body has to produce insulin, has to get that sugar out of your bloodstream. And many candies are basically created with, again, glucose, um, sucrose, which is table sugar, refined carbohydrates, like flour, and these things are pretty quickly absorbed by our um, like intestines and metabolize and whatnot, which leads to a huge spike in blood sugar, followed by a pretty rapid decrease. And that's mostly because there's no fiber. So fiber will help have that stabilizing effect. Not many candies have fiber. 
So this crash will lead to this kind of vicious cycle of craving more, um, headache, thirst, more hunger, wanting more sugar because you're looking for that high again. So vicious, vicious cycle. I guess Don't I was high more. a lot back in the day. <laughs> high off of candy. Okay, let's ignore that. Anyways, so the next reason why we may want to question why and kind of limit candy. So <laughs> obviously, as if I did not touch upon it earlier, tooth decay, you don't want that to happen. So human mouths are a home to billions of bacteria that already feed on the small pieces of food that actually are already in our mouth. There is this one culture of one of those bacteria, and it's called Streptococcus mutans, and they're responsible for creating cavities in our teeth. So after coming in contact with sweets, this bacteria actually latches onto our teeth and exposes them with lactic acid that slowly chips away at our teeth and destroys them. Yay! You can protect yourself from this tooth decay by rinsing your teeth after every meal and lowering the consumption of sugar, which this can be problematic because if you eat something sticky like a Starburst, good luck with rinsing that out. Do you speak from experience? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Then, but now that office candy no longer tempts me as much. Still looking. Still watching. Okay. Moving on. So candy is just, it, it's a pretty low quality uh, food to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of nutrients in there. It, it's literally just sugar and fat. Very minimal vitamins and minerals. So uh, another thing that we do want to bring up as to why we do want to question it is the topic of obesity. Obviously, you can't target candy as the only source of obesity, but certainly does not help having it around. So Mm -hmm. as we know, candies and sweets usually have a very rich caloric and energy content, and it's packed into a very small, small, small serving of food. And the result of large candy intake can lead to obesity, can, because just because of that excess amount of calories that do come with it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like, let's see, how many Starbursts? You you wouldn't even need that many Starbursts. You would probably need, like, less than a hint. Like, what, six to eight Starbursts to equal, like, I don't know, like, two slices of bread or something? Am I, just, right. I probably yeah. made that up. But do you understand? You get the I'm point, saying? yeah. It's really easy to get there, or like having a handful yeah. of Skittles. Like it's really yeah. easy to get to that point. Like every time, my little treat for myself is every time we go to the movies, which is not very often, but mm-hmm. I get Sour Patch and the the watermelon ones. Those are my favorite. But mm-hmm. that whole package has like six hundred and eighty calories. If I finish it, oh. <laughs> but that's like a whole like meal and a half for me. balance ladies and gentlemen (laughs) but it's all sugar so if I ate that every day I obesity would be much easier to uh, achieve right 
And another thing I do want to point out is when the food is that concentrated and it's that small, what do you think is going to happen in the time frame? Let's say you're hungry and instead of eating a regular food, which has extra fiber and it's a just bigger food mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. uh, that takes a little bit longer to digest and for your body to think about before it realizes, oh, I'm full. But by the time you're full or sick off of candy, you have like what? Half the bag. It, at least. <laughs> at least half the bag. And then you're like 600 calories deep. Your stomach is upset. And um, yeah. like you Happens fast. Passed, you already passed satiety because it's so concentrated. Yeah. Exactly. So if it wasn't obvious, excessive sugar and candy intake can lead to uh, the presence of type 2 diabetes. Eating fewer candies has been shown to prevent the appearance of diabetes. And studies have also found that excessive consumption of candies and other sweet products causes the imbalance of sugar in our bloodstream. And in extreme cases, it can cause damage to the liver and our body's ability to process sugar in general. Fun stuff. So You don't want that. No, no, we don't. And then finally, another thing while we might question it is the artificial ingredients in it. So the modern candies that we see today have large amount of artificial ingredients already. So not only can they be harmful, but when they when they're basically ingested in large quantities, it can cause serious allergic and asthmatic responses. Of course, it can be, this can be due to coloring agents like red number four, yellow number five, stuff like that, mm-hmm. non-nutritive material, lead, and even more. Mm-hmm. Yes, lead. So, yeah. Fun stuff. So now we'll jump into actually how much candy is eaten now. I so <laughs> Americans are likely to spend almost $2 billion on Halloween candy according to the National Retail Federation's Halloween Consumer Spending Survey. And (laughs) even after trick-or-treat season, America's sweet tooth does remain very, very huge. And the U.S. ranks number one in the world. In the world. America number one. America in the world in terms of annual retail volume consumed sugar, chocolate, and gum. So we eat a lot of that stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and the con- our country will consume more than 5 million pounds of sweet treats. That statistic was taken from 2016. That's insane. So with that being said, so today, according to the Sugar Knowledge International, basically an independent sugar technology organization, who knew we had one of those? But apparently we eat 120 million tons of sugar a year. And it's still an expanding market. So more fun stuff. So as the food industry has discovered, pop a little or a lot of sugar into any kind of processed food, processed food, and we like it a lot, no matter what sugar is not good for us. So, I mean, it, like we, don't, we can spear all these statistics as much as we could. We already know that America eats a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of the other, some other European countries are pretty close behind. Um, I know not too long ago, France had a 
when we had went to France a couple of years back, they were also mentioning issues with obesity over there and those shoes, mm-hmm. those sweet tooth. So right. um, that's just something important to point out. And mm-hmm. just let us know what you think I'm about sugar. That the like new nutrition label that has the added sugars puts it into perspective a little bit more, but the thing is we're, we're kind of programmed to want it anyways. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm hopeful. Kind of difficult. And that's another thing too, with sugar candy, like sugar candy and companies are revolved around this substance that make money. They put even more money towards supermarkets just so they can put their product on a specific shelf just for, let's say you're in the checkout line and the kid just randomly grabs a piece of candy. They specifically pay money. It's there for, for a reason. It's there for a reason. So your child can pick out that candy and cry. Go fit. <laughs> go fit. And you end up buying the fucking candy. And mm-hmm. you just go to the door. So, mm-hmm. like, they're doing more, can- more damage to us than we think we than we think that they're doing. So that's just something else to keep in mind. Fun stuff. So candy, candy isn't always as sweet as we think it is. <laughs> this is so, true. So with that being said, let's kind of give our social media shout out of the week. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've done that. So shout out of the past three weeks. So this goes out to Amanda RD to be, and she is into fitness and dietetics. I believe she also has a personal training certificate if I'm not mistaken and she's an LUC graduate student and dietetic intern and she has really delicious pictures of foods if I say so myself yes just a smidge of fitness in there so (laughs) nice balance yeah so thank you so much for listening and tuning in and just basically supporting us overall yes thank you very much So that concludes our episode. We would love to hear your thoughts and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. You mean squeeze the nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe so you can join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a review. Five stars, no less. On whatever platform you're listening to, or send us an email at keepingitjuicypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any topics you'd like for us to touch upon, shoot us an email. Until next time, don't do anything that I wouldn't do.